Welcome in, everybody. We do it every Friday here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time to get in the cage. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. One of my favorite guys to talk MMA with is with us once again, former middleweight contender in the UFC and just an all-around good dude. You should follow him. You should hear what he has to say. He is the one, the only Nate Rock Quarry. Nate, how are you, man? I'm awesome. As awesome as can be during these crazy times. It is certainly crazy, no doubt. And uh, glad you're hanging in there. You got a, you got a new addition to the family that's hanging with you, who we may hear from at some point during this conversation. So we all look forward to that as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah. always appreciate you doing this. Want to get into a couple different things with you. Something I don't I don't know that you and I have talked about, and I know we've talked a million times over the years, but it feels like I want to get your 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 take on Bellator versus the UFC just in terms of the talent I, I I feel like Bellator initially was thought of as well that's where the washed up fighters go that's where Tito Ortiz goes that's where Chael goes that's where the older fighters that that aren't competing for titles anymore go and now you know I was just looking at the roster the other night and it, it just I was so amazed at how many former UFC fighters are now in Bellator and not they're not all you you got Rory McDonald, you got Gegard Mousasi, you've got I mean there's just been so many defections and they're getting younger and younger and more relevant. How big is that gap in your opinion between the UFC and Bellator if you think there's a gap at all in talent? There definitely is and so much of it comes down to how badly the UFC wants somebody because they bring in most of the MMA dollars spent worldwide. So if there's somebody that they want, they're most likely going to buy their service. Uh, but the UFC, unfortunately, with a lot of their guys, they, they don't treat them with the respect. And kind of the, the saying is, you can treat me poorly, but give me respect. Or you can treat me well and treat me with disrespect, but you can't treat me with disrespect and pay me poorly. <laughs> and over and over again, that's what we see with the UFC. So there's been a few guys that have, wanted to fight out their contracts or the UFC has let them go. And then they find their way in Bellator. I think the bigger conversation is, is always going to be who's the best. Who's the champion. When do we get to see the Bellator champion fight the UFC champion? Oh, we can't because the organizations own and control their titles. And I I'm being a dead horse. Cause I, I bring this up every time. Once the Ali expansion act passes, then those fighters are going to be be able to say, look, I want to fight the best in the world. I've earned my title shot. And then it doesn't become, I going to bring the most pay-per-view dollars, who's more marketable. No, it's going to be the best versus the best, which is what sports is really supposed to be. Do you, uh, do you watch a lot of, I, I, I mean, Bellator's on at this point. They're on every Thursday with the tournament that's happening. There's a lot of product out there. Obviously, the UFC feels like they've got a card almost every single weekend. And you you've also have, you know, the, you know, one fighting championship. You've got other promotions out there. Are you still a fan? Do you still try to soak in as much of this as you can? Or where are you at with it? I do as much as I can, but so much of it now. Yeah, it, it is a lot of content out there. So for me, I'll follow the fighters that I really enjoy. I enjoy their story. I enjoy their skill set. Uh, just for myself, getting back into the gym, and once I, I discovered this CBD product and really helped me to heal up my body and feel a lot less pain, I was then able to go back for the past couple of years and take jujitsu again and just train. And I realized after a couple months, so I went from geez, fighting from age 26 to 38, so 12 years, and then I had 
a back surgery, another back surgery. I had my face reconstructed. I had all these injuries that I had to overcome. And I was a little burned out, to be honest with you. And then I started taking the CBD from a septra, and all of a sudden I felt good. And I started training in the gym again, and I, I realized I had a different mindset now because I wasn't getting ready for a fight. I wasn't putting food on the table, being there in the gym and putting on the gi and, and working on my jiu-jitsu. And I realized for the first time in, in 20 years, I was back training just because I love training. And that's where I'm at right now with the cards. I want to see the skill sets. I want to see these athletes take the sport to the next level. It's really an exciting time, and it's only going to get better as time passes because you have champions now that started training the same time that I did. Only they were five years old, and I was 24. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's just going to get better. We're going to see these Olympic wrestling champion, black dog jiu-jitsu, who's also a Muay Thai champion and a, a Golden Gloves boxer. It's going to be amazing to see how far the sport can go. It, it's amazing. You, you hit on something that I think a lot of people have touched on, and I, and I think even you and I have talked about it briefly, is that the evolution in the sport and, and watching, you, you can't be a one-trick pony. It used to be you could be, hey, this guy gets you on the ground, it's over. He's a brilliant wrestler, he's a grappler, he's a submission artist, but he's got no stand-up skills at all. You know, I mean, you can't you can't be that guy anymore. You've got to be the everything guy to a certain extent. You've got to be able to grapple and wrestle and know jujitsu and be able to stand up and throw shots and know how to, you know, more importantly, avoid shots. There's not a lot of that. People don't have great defense when it comes to their stand-up game still. But yeah. the, the days of being that dominant individual in this one aspect of fighting, to me, are completely gone. Oh, exactly. You cannot be the one-trick pony. It at the very least, you have to be good enough to stay out of those areas and force the other person into the zone where you want to be. So we may see some phenomenal Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, BJJ, Nogi world champion come into the MMA world, and he's able to quickly dive underneath and grab that ankle and win a lot of fights by an ankle lock. But how is he going to do as he gets higher and higher up in the ranks and starts going up against wrestlers who aren't going to be taken down or, or a taller fighter with a good stiff jab that keeps him away? It's only going to get you so far being a specialist. You have to be good enough. And in, in my career, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was never that great in any one of the things. Never even wrestled in high school. But I was fairly good at taking people out of the zone that they wanted to be in and, and bringing them into a world. Like when I fight Jason McDonald, he wanted to, to play jiu-jitsu. It's like, cool, I'll go down with you, but I'm bringing MMA jiu-jitsu with me and started hitting them with, with the elbows. Whenever somebody wanted to take me down, it's like, no, I'm going to use my anti-wrestling to make sure that you can't take me down and I keep the fight where I want it to be. It's It's one of the most exciting things about MMA for me is is figuring out the puzzle pieces and where they go and how are you going to adjust as the fight goes on? How are you going to make the fight go in your direction? With a quick submission, a quick knockout, it's it's always exciting. You can never sleep on any of the fights. Speaking with Nate Corey here on 710 ESPN Seattle for a few more moments. 
Uh, Nate, I, d- I don't know the timelines of all of your fights. Do, were you a guy that took short notice fights? Uh, the reason I'm asking, we see it all the time, guys waiting for that opportunity and they'll take it on three weeks notice, two weeks notice. We're seeing Paul Felder taking a fight on five days notice. Now, according to all the stories, he was already in training and in good shape. So maybe not a huge ask. I would still think game planning for your opponent would take more than five days. But what do you think of that move on his part? And was that something that you ever did? You, this is one of those situations you have to look at it at a case-by-case basis. So did I ever do this? Oh, many times. Back in the day, my mentality was I'm always going to be ready to fight just in case the call comes because there was, I didn't want to miss something because I wasn't ready. In fact, I showed up just to watch some fights one time, and the promoter came out and said, how much do you weigh? I said, I owe about 210 or so. He said, don't eat anything. I think I've got some real fight. <laughs> and he found some random guy from some random gym, and we weighed in, and I knocked him out the next night. <laughs> you just, you had to be ready at any time. If, if, now, as you get into the bigger leagues, boy, this is, again, it has to be a really tough thing. You have to look at the pros and the cons. Are you in shape? And be honest. Secondly, the biggest, the, the second biggest question is, this is a business. This is how you feed your family. I've never seen a promoter say, hey, I'll pay you back later and actually pay them back later. It doesn't work out like that. If you take this fight on last-minute notice and you're doing a huge service for the promoter and you get knocked out, sorry, buddy, you know you don't have the rankings anymore. I can't give you the fight that you wanted. I'm going to put you on the undercard on some ESPN Plus thing that no one will ever see. So listening to what Felder said was, I knew that they needed me. I stepped up, and I'm getting paid. So win or lose, I'm doing well for this fight. And again, it, it's not a question of how tough are you. Are you willing to fight anybody at any time? I think most of us are willing to say, yeah, yeah, of course we are. But another example was uh, uh, Chris Lieben had just fought Aaron Simpson. We worked on standing up off the bottom because we knew that if Aaron Simpson, and then Chris could knock him out, which he did. So now a few days later, we get the call from Dana, Dana White, that uh, somebody fell out of the upcoming card, one of the biggest cards of the year. They need someone to fight Aki Young. And our mutual agent at the time, and Levin just flat out says, I I'm mentally exhausted. So I said, well, let me ask you a question. If they offered you a million dollars to fight Godzilla in Tokyo tomorrow, would you take the fight? He said, well, yeah, for a million bucks, yeah, I would. You want to be properly compensated for it. Give me a number. And he threw out a number. We had the agent call Dana White. Dana White yelled at him, said, oh, this is all about money for you, and slammed the phone down. <laughs> and we got a contract. Chris got his money. He ended up tapping out Akiyama, getting another $100,000 bonus that night. And it wasn't a matter of, boy, Chris, you don't want to take this fight. You must be a coward. I thought you were a tough guy. No, it's, oh, this is a career. Right. This is how you feed your family. This is how you build your future. It's a business at the end of the day. And if you don't treat it like that, you're left broken, broken. Hey, one more before I let you go. we got about a minute or so left here, and I just wanted to ask you about this because I've had a few people ask me about it, and I've got to be honest, I'm not that familiar with the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. I saw that Paige Van Zant is now signed up for it, and we'll, we'll, she's not fighting till 2021 at some point. We'll see how that goes. But 
Have you had a chance to watch any of it? And if so, what, what's your take on it? I have. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those sports that's it's mostly about shock value. It's like, look at where we're back, like, like we used to do, knuckle up and throw down. And cool. It, it looks a little bit more barbaric. You're going to get cut a lot easier because of the sharp edges of the knuckles. You also get hit a lot less hard because, and this was something that the UFC is on record for saying that to legalize MMA and UFC in all of these states, they had to put gloves on the fighters. And they knew that that meant more damage was going to occur to the fighters. Uh, look at Muay Thai fighters. Generally, their hands are the worst part of their game because they fought bare knuckles for so long, so many years. They throw elbows, they throw knees, they throw shin kicks. They don't have a lot of head movement because when you're throwing that punch, you hit somebody on the top of the head, they're more, more likely going to break a hand than get a knockout. As soon as you put on gloves and you wrap somebody up, I could hit a brick wall as hard as I wanted to. Never hurt my hands. So it's got kind of a shock value of uh, we're, we're bare knuckle. There's a lot more cuts. But in reality, it's a lot safer for the fighters. It'd be almost like taking the uh, the weapon off the NFL players' heads and give them the old leather helmet. Yeah, They're going to slow way down. They're not going to be spearing anybody. And you're not going to have nearly as many cases of CGE as they get older. So, I man, I'm always for if you want to sign on the dotted line, you want to do something dangerous, go for it. If it's not hurting anybody but yourself, freedom. Let freedom reign. Yep. He is Nate Rock Quarry. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate Rock Quarry. Uh, again, I always say, do it at your own risk. If you're sensitive, if you're if you're very if you're delicate on any level, it's probably not going to work out well for you. But uh, Nate, a great guy, as always. Hey, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. I'm glad everybody's good with you and healthy, and look forward to talking again soon. Hey, thank you. Let me just say that uh, we're retooling. We're getting ready to launch this Kickstarter. I finally finished the graphic novel, the horror story of my life, me fighting with my daughter, plus zombies. Uh, that's going to be available here within the next couple of weeks. So everybody, please pay attention to that. What's the Give the website again? Zombiecagefighter.com. Zombiecagefighter.com. And as I look at your Twitter page, you've got some, it's a tweet from 2018, but some very cool uh, pictures from from an issue of it that looks awesome. So, uh, again, zombiecagefighter.com. Check that out. Nate, love you, buddy. Appreciate it so much. Awesome. Thank you. Anytime.